We need new blood in the political process, and you are that new blood. Me? Really? I got enough problems. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Oh, they're everywhere. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM People Powered Radio in LA. In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, the Green Renaissance Network. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on the great AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and yes, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, if not you, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us again for what we call your radio home companion. That's right. It's just me here and uh, the delightful Desi Doyen. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hey! Our producer, Desi, and uh, also my uh, co-host on the Green News Report a new one of which will be forthcoming. Yippee! In this hour. That's Yay. Right. We do have a lot of good stuff to cover in this one. Oh, really? Well, do like we? we always promises, do. Promises, promises, promises. Uh, although, uh, there's some Donald Trump stuff in it. Well, it's hard to avoid. But people should listen anyway, Indeed. right? Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, there actually there is a lot in our Green News Report coming up, including the fact, if you haven't noticed, that uh, May 2016 was once again the hottest May ever recorded on planet Earth. Month after month after month, we keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And our uh, politicians are uh, talking about other stuff and nonsense and, uh, well, anyway. I'm going to try to, you know, it's been such a difficult week uh, over the past week uh, since the shooting in Orlando. We've got a lot to catch up on uh, that we haven't been able to cover. I'm going to try to get to as much of it as I can here today to sort of get us caught up, which means there's going to be a lot of politics. I'm hoping it'll be an easier going uh, uh, listen than it has been over the past week. But I must say, speaking of Donald Trump, we have just passed uh, the one year anniversary since Donald Trump got in the race. And I, I need to remind people this again, uh, because I know there's a lot of media out there. There's a lot of people that are shouting at you, that are telling you things that are tricking you into believing all sorts of things. You should just trust your broadcast. <laughs> 
because we've been right, uh, at least on Donald Trump from day one. And uh, well, does you have that clip? I want to yeah. I want to play that clip again from the day he entered June 15, 2015, back when everybody thought, oh, how crazy could the Republican uh, primary election this year get we've had all of these clowns get in there was i don't know how many by that time uh, eight nine ten fifteen people had gotten in the race and every time they got in every time there was a new republican candidate we would play that crazy circus music because it really was you know the the clown car filling up but as donald trump got in the race and as the mainstream corporate media out there thought oh this is the biggest clown of them all we warned you we warned you no well he might be a clown but this is something different donald trump in the race is something different here's the broadcast from one year ago this past week june 15 2015 here is how we tried to warn you as of today uh, Donald Trump got into the race. And normally when I introduce a new candidate these days, uh, here's the theme song I'll, I'll play to do it. Now, that music seems more appropriate today on the surface than any other day. You would think I would use that as the theme song for Donald Trump's entry to the race. But no, I'm not. Uh, today, there is one sound effect that I think is more appropriate than any other for Donald Trump entering the 2016 Republican race. And here it is. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Donald Trump, I believe, is blowing up the 2016 campaign. Yeah, that was that was me back in uh, uh, June of 2015 uh, when Donald Trump got in the race, when everyone else was saying, oh, he's not really going to run. He's going to get out. He's not serious. And even if he is, he's never going to do well. He's not a serious politician. Surely Republican voters won't take him seriously. Well, as it turns out, surprise, I think they did. Uh, and uh, the damage that and of course, we went on to tell you he was going to do well. He was going to most likely win the nomination back when everybody was still regarding him as a joke. Um, but the damage that, in fact, he has inflicted on his own party, at least in part. And uh, the problem still remains that the party itself is not taking responsibility for the damage that they have inflicted on their own party. But the damage that has happened since Trump has gotten in the race uh, is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. A new uh, Bloomberg poll out this week finds the favorability of the Republican Party has dropped to its lowest level since Bloomberg began polling the question back in 2009. Back uh, when uh, 2009, uh, the party was still reeling from the, uh, uh, the the two wars that George Bush uh, unnecessarily got us into, the worldwide financial crisis that he brought upon us, uh, and then the election of uh, Barack Obama. But uh, only 32% of Americans now view the GOP favorably, 32%. Meanwhile, 49%, which doesn't seem that large, but 49% of Americans view the Democratic Party favorably, according to the new Bloomberg poll. So about half of the Americans view the Democrats favorably. Uh, not even a third view the GOP favorably. Among Republicans, 28% said they have a... Uh, this is just, just among Republicans. 28% uh, 
said they have an unfavorable view towards their own party, whereas on the Democratic side, just 4%, 4% of people who identify as Democrats feel unfavorably towards their own party. A huge difference. This is a party in serious trouble. This is a broken party. The Bloomberg poll also found that one in three Republicans view Donald Trump unfavorably, so a full third of their own party view him unfavorably, uh, while just 17 percent of Democrats view Hillary Clinton unfavorably. So one fifth uh, in the meantime. And and she's incredibly unpopular. Uh, and yet Donald Trump is even more so more on that Bloomberg poll in a little bit. But one of the re- one of the responses to the uh, unpopularity of Donald Trump and of the Republican Party itself is to become more unpopular and more like Donald Trump. At least that was John McCain's plan uh, when he responded on Thursday to the uh, this just this is amazing to me, and I know you, you may have seen coverage of this, but I want to I want to hit this point briefly uh, because a it ticks me off so much, and b the mainstream corporate media is not giving you the actual information about what is behind this. But Senator John McCain uh, said uh, on Thursday that President Barack Obama was, quote, directly responsible for the massacre at the gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, over the past weekend. Uh, here, And he said it repeatedly. He was asked, uh, you know, really, did you say that? Did you say he's directly responsible? Here's, uh, here's just a little bit, just a couple of times of him saying, uh, yes, Obama was directly responsible for the incident that ended up uh, with more than 100 people shot, 49 uh, killed by this jerk who walked into the nightclub in Orlando. I'm hearing a lot from my constituents about the uh, about what happened, and uh, of course I'm making them realize that Barack Obama is directly responsible for it, because when he pulled everybody out of Iraq, Al-Qaeda went to Syria, became ISIS, and... Uh, ISIS is what it is today, thanks to Barack Obama's failures, utter failures, by pulling everybody out of Iraq, thinking that conflict's in just because we leave. So the responsibility for it lies with President Barack Obama and his failed policies. I'm directly responsible because... Directly responsible. You could, and apologies for the sound quality there that was taken from one of the reporters, uh, directly responsible for the worst mass shooting in history, said John McCain. And John McCain, remember, he's supposed to be the elder statesman, the responsible. He's not the, the you know, the, the crazy loose cannon that Donald Trump is. And yet he just said the president of the United States is, quote, directly responsible for the worst mass shooting in the history of this country. Now, uh, there was such an uproar about it that uh, McCain later said that he misspoke. And of course, he didn't misspeak. Uh, He said it again and again and again. He said it on purpose. His point was, as he said, that because uh, Obama, quote, pulled everybody out of Iraq, Al Qaeda went to Syria, became ISIS and ISIS is what it is today. Thanks to Barack Obama's failures, utter failures by pulling everybody out of Iraq, thinking that conflicts end just because you leave. Now, uh, A, I I just want to clarify the record here. I can't believe we still have to do this. But A, he did not pull everybody out. He did pull most of the people out, and he did so unwillingly. He wanted to keep troops there. 
He pulled them out uh, because of an agreement signed by George W. Bush before Barack Obama was ever president, signed in, I think it was uh, 2007, to pull out the troops as of a certain date. And uh, when it came time to rethink that agreement that George W. Bush had signed to pull out all of our troops from Iraq, Obama tried to keep them there. He tried to negotiate with the Iraqis to keep them there. But the Iraqis said, we, we cannot give your troops immunity uh, from the law if they stay. And uh, and and therefore, uh, you know, since anything could happen to our troops, if they stayed there beyond that date, uh, they were pulled out or at least the bulk of them were pulled out. Barack Obama was not very happy about it at the time. He worked hard. He worked hard for months to try to keep them there, by the way, which I completely disagree with uh, Obama for for doing or for trying to do. But those are the facts. George W. Bush negotiated the exit uh, the exit time, the exit timeline, the exit strategy uh, with uh, Iraq directly. So if you want to say someone is directly responsible for what happened in Orlando, I guess you could say George W. Bush is directly responsible for what happened in Orlando. Of course, he isn't either. But let's just be straight. Let's best just be clear about uh, the history on this. OK. Uh, and John McCain uh, you know, again, who's supposed to be the uh, responsible elder statesman? Stop lying. Stop misleading people about history, about what actually happened. And by the way, don't say that you misspoke because you didn't misspeak. You said it on purpose and you said it multiple times that Barack Obama was directly responsible for the Orlando massacre. This happened, by the way, those statements were while Obama was actually in Orlando meeting with the victims' families of those, uh, the families and friends of those who were killed and wounded in that attack. I, it's just unbelievable to me. So that's why I wanted to uh, at least straighten it out for the historical record about what actually happened. And by the way, you can be critical of, of Obama uh, for agreeing uh, to follow the agreement that George W. Bush had signed. Uh, you can be critical of Obama for not pulling out enough troops. And in fact, many, many of them have gone back in at the request of Iraq. But let's just tell the truth. And if you're someone in a reporter on Capitol Hill, surely you know the history. Surely you can challenge John McCain on that uh, on that lie, as offensive as it was. But the, the historical lie about what actually happened uh, after Obama came to office. Okay, um, so in the meantime, that was John McCain, and uh, he's facing his own re-election contest in Arizona this year, and things are not going well for him. They're not going well for him, and they're not going well for a lot of other Republicans uh, who have to run for, uh, for the U.S. Senate this year under the uh, on the coattails of Donald Trump. How bad have they gotten? How unpopular is the Republican Party? It is this popular, uh, this unpopular. According to The New York Times, former President George W. Bush is throwing himself into an effort to save his party's most vulnerable senators, including several whose reelection campaigns have been made more difficult by Donald Trump's presence at the top of the ticket. So how bad is it? It is so bad that the wildly unpopular George W. Bush is coming in to be the party's savior. Bush has uh, headlined fundraisers in recent weeks for John McCain of Arizona and for Kelly Ayotte of, uh, of New Hampshire. 
who's uh, who's also uh, fighting for her life in uh, in that new, uh, Senate race up in New Hampshire. And uh, it's this is friends, uh, apparently, according to New York Times, friends of uh, the former president, George W. Bush, are deeply troubled by Trump's campaign message, especially his derogatory remarks about Muslims and immigrants at the event with Mr. McCain. Bush stressed the importance of preserving the Republican-held Senate as a check and balance on the White House, suggesting that such a check was needed, whether the next president is Mr. Trump or Hillary Clinton, the presumptive Democratic nominee. So I'm not so sure why it's so important to keep a check and balance, uh, you know, against a Donald Trump, given that you've got someone like John McCain, the elder statesman who is out there saying stuff clearly as stupid and as misinformed as Donald Trump. So uh, that's what has become of your Republican Party. There is no one there. There is no one there to save it. When you've got to turn to George W. Bush as the savior for your party, man, your party is in big, big trouble. Uh, Next week, George W. Bush will appear in St. Louis, Missouri, my old hometown, at a fundraiser for uh, Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri. And similar events are planned for Senator Ron Johnson up in Wisconsin. He's in a uh, a tough fight against Senator uh, Democratic Senator, former Democratic Senator Russ Feingold, progressive Democratic Senator Russ Feingold, who I would be delighted to see come back to the uh, come back to the U.S. Senate. Uh, Bush will also be uh, campaigning for Rob Portman of Ohio. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the senators are apparently not receiving any fundraising help at all from Donald Trump, which is a typical role for the party's standard bearer, according to The New York Times. And few congressional candidates have sought Mr. Trump's endorsement, given his high negative ratings in polls and his unpredictable nature. In fact, the one uh, House candidate that Donald Trump did endorse, Renee Elmers from North Carolina, lost her primary last week. So that's a party in big, big trouble. Uh, And by the way, before we move on to the trouble for the Democrats, I should note here the um, the security, the uh, the Republican Party has released their security information concerning what is allowed and not allowed in the Quicken Loans Arena and the uh, convention center in Cleveland for the uh, the Republican National Convention in July. Now, you know, they have spent many, many months and years at this point complaining about gun free zones and how they are dangerous, how they are the most dangerous place in the world and how how dare uh, Democrats put uh, the, the nation at, at, at risk by not allowing everyone to carry a gun everywhere. Well, guess what you can't carry into the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland? Weapons, firearms or knives, regardless of size, according to the uh, according to the RNC's uh, notice on security information. You know what else you can't bring in? Apparently baseballs are listed on there. You can't bring in baseball. Why wouldn't they want you to bring in a baseball? Because you can throw it and hit somebody. Huh. Whole fruit. You cannot (laughs) bring in whole fruit to the convention. What are they anticipating? I wonder why they're uh, banning whole fruit. In any way, uh, in any case, uh, that's what you're getting from the Republican Party. Good luck to them. Man, uh, life is uh, a mess on that side of the aisle. And and by the way, I'm not happy about it. I know a lot of Democrats are delighted about it. I'm not happy about it. I would love to see a healthy Republican Party. But speaking of uh, healthy parties here, Bernie Sanders, 
uh, and then gave an online address to his supporters on Thursday night. The senator notably did not concede the presidential uh, race to Hillary Clinton, as many in the corporate media had anticipated and as many uh, party establishment folks had hoped and are still hoping and are still wringing their hands over. Instead, Sanders called on his supporters to work together to defeat Donald Trump and to transform the Democratic Party for the future. He reiterated the central tenets of his campaign, of his wildly successful campaign. He did not win. Apparently, he did not win the nomination, um, but it was insanely successful. Uh, Those central tenets, of course, included raising the minimum wage, equal pay, breaking up the banks, uh, addressing climate change, defeating the Trans-Pacific Partnership or TPP, expanding Social Security and Medicare for all, rebuilding the nation's crumbling infrastructure and uh, and more. He reiterated that and he noted that political revolutions, the type that he has been calling for now for many, many months, require time and require a dedicated, sustained effort. He urged his supporters to engage in the political process. And this is something, by the way, that a lot of people, as he was moving uh, through the campaign, calling for this political revolution and all of these people saying, yeah, but how are you going to do that? How are you going to offer uh, free public uh, college education? education to and, and health care for all. It was always about his political revolution. Other people, the House and the Senate and local and state uh, offices uh, being filled with like-minded individuals. So he noted that political revolutions require time, a dedicated, sustained effort, and he urged his supporters to engage in that political process and bring their energy and idealism to becoming the new generation of public servants at all levels, even running for office at the local, municipal and state level. Here's a few minutes of Bernie Sanders remarks to supporters on Thursday night. Election days come and go, but political and social revolutions that attempt to transform our society never end. And that's why the political revolution must continue into the future. This campaign is also about defeating Donald Trump. After centuries of racism, sexism, and discrimination of all forms in our country, we do not need a major party candidate who makes bigotry the cornerstone of his campaign. We cannot have a president who insults Mexicans and Latinos, Muslims, women, and African Americans. The major political task that together we face in the next five months is to make certain that Donald Trump is defeated and defeated badly. And I personally intend to begin my role in that process in a very short period of time. But defeating Donald Trump cannot be our only goal. We must continue our grassroots effort to create the America that we know we can become. I recently had the opportunity to meet with Secretary Clinton It is no secret that Secretary Clinton and I have strong disagreements on some very, very important issues. It is also true that our views are quite close on others. I also look forward to working with Secretary Clinton to transform the Democratic Party so that it becomes a party of working people and young people and not just wealthy campaign contributors. A party that has the guts to take on Wall Street, the pharmaceutical industry, the fossil fuel industry, and the other powerful special interests that dominate so much 
of our political and economic life. But the political revolution means much more than fighting for our ideals at the Democratic National Convention and defeating Donald Trump. It means that at every level, we continue the fight to make our society a nation of economic, social, racial, and environmental justice. Sadly, the current Democratic Party leadership has turned its back on dozens of states and has allowed right-wing politicians to win elections in some states with virtually no opposition. We will never win unless we recruit good candidates and develop organizations that compete effectively in the future. We need to start engaging at the local and state level in an unprecedented way. To start running for school boards, city councils, county commissions, state legislatures, and governorships. We need new blood in the political process, and you are that new blood. A fight that will continue tomorrow, next week, next year, and into the future. That was Bernie Sanders speaking to his uh, supporters on Thursday night, reiterating that he was not going to get out of the race for now. He's not conceding, but that he will work uh, together, that the party needs to come together to defeat Donald Trump. Uh, And his discussion of transforming the party over the long term, filling offices with like minded Americans. That's the political revolution that he's been calling for. Uh, And by the way, this is just the way the Tea Party did it. You wonder how this uh, party got so crazy. The Republican Party got so crazy. Their candidates are so nuts because they're all Tea Party people. They came together. Uh, to run candidates everywhere for what it was they wanted, what it was that they believed in. Now, I think the Tea Party people, what they believe in is absolutely nuts and misinformed. And you may even feel that way about Bernie Sanders. I don't know. But for all the uh, Bernie Sanders folks out there who are who are disappointed, who are looking towards, uh, you know, who, who, who believe that the election was stolen from them, And uh, I suspect I'll speak about this in the future. I have seen no evidence that the election was stolen from them, certainly not by the uh, Democratic Party. But in any case, what I want to talk about here now is that the party he mentioned has turned its back in many states, Uh, you know, often not running candidates at all. They need to be Democrats need to be running everywhere. And folks who are supporters of Bernie Sanders uh, need to step up. They need to run. They need to run on those ideals, as he said, at every level of government from uh, school uh, uh, board of uh, supervisors. What do they call it? The board of education and the board of uh, supervisors. Uh, Everywhere. That's it. It doesn't take place. Revolution is not, you know, one guy in office. Revolution is everyone uh, standing up. And fighting for what they believe in. And in a very short time, in just eight years since the uh, Republicans uh, pretended that they had a grass uh, grassroots movement called the Tea Party, they have taken over local, municipal, city, state and frankly, the federal government. Yes, Bernie Sanders supporters can do that as well. And frankly, that's what Democrats want, not just Bernie Sanders supporters, but uh, a new poll out from Reuters this week. More than three quarters of Democrats say that Bernie Sanders should have a major role in shaping the party's positions. Nearly two thirds say Hillary Clinton uh, should pick him as her vice president, uh, as her vice presidential running mate, according to Reuters Ipsos. 
That's a sign that Democrats hope their party can unite after the fierce primary season, with two-thirds also uh, saying that Sanders should endorse Clinton, and I suspect he will eventually. Uh, so, uh, well, that's where the uh, that's where the Democrats are now, at least among the intramural uh, fight. So pay attention, pay attention to Bernie's uh, call here. Those of you who support him, uh, revolution doesn't happen overnight. You need to participate. I got to get to a quick break here, but we'll come back with uh, with much more, uh, not just a little bit of bad news for the Democratic Party uh, and uh, some surprisingly good news, perhaps, for the Democratic Party. All of that and more, including the Green News Report and whatever else we have time for is ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. If you're lost in a phone, or you're sinking like a stone, carry on. May your path be the sound of your feet upon the ground. Carry on. Yep. Carry on, carry on. Carrying on here on the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com trying to catch up with a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, mostly politics. Trying to go easy on you today because uh, maybe you could use a break and because uh, I know I can. So so there you go. Uh, so a bunch of polls here that have come out over the past week. Uh, we're looking at now for the moment uh, some, some of the news on the Democratic side. The presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton took a beating from independent voters in the latest, yes, Fox News poll. She finished uh, Hillary Clinton finished third behind uh, Libertarian Party candidate Gary Johnson and Donald Trump. Trump led among independent voters. Now, this is not going to be all bad for Hillary Clinton, so just hang in there for a second. But uh, and remember, this comes from Fox News. In any event, Donald Trump leads among independents, according to this poll, with 32 percent of the vote among independents, followed by Gary Johnson, Libertarian Party candidate, uh, former Republican governor, governor of New Mexico. He got 23 percent. Clinton polled just 22 percent of the independent votes. A sign they say that uh, many voters are skeptical of the scandal-scarred former first lady and ex-secretary of state, as Fox News po uh, uh, puts it. Uh, nonetheless, the poll, the same poll, gives Hillary Clinton a three-point national lead over Trump, uh, besting him 42 to 39 percent in a uh, in a head-to-head -head matchup. If the election at least were held today, and this is today, this is actually a few days ago. This is before the uh, Orlando massacre, just before that. At least that's when the poll was taken, uh, and before it looked all but certain that uh, Bernie Sanders was actually going to be getting out of the race. Nonetheless, uh, Johnson, uh, his voters. Gary Johnson's voters could prove pivotal this year, which is true, I would say. 
Uh, Tim Malloy of the Quinnipiac University poll said, don't underestimate the importance of the libertarian vote. Those uh, voters are not on the fence. They're not going to budge. They could make all the difference in a close election. But Fox's poll found equal levels of, of party loyalty among both Democratic and Republican responders. So winning independence could equal victory in November. That uh, poll from Fox in uh, contradiction with the one I read earlier from Bloomberg, uh, finding that, uh, no, Democrats are far more loyal to their candidate than the Republicans are at this point. In any event, uh, Gary Johnson could be a player this year. We'll find out. Uh, Feel the Johnson. Oh, dear. As they say. <laughs> uh, and uh, Doesn't Joel, quite have sa- no, the same ring well, as Feel the Burn. It's got a different ring. Different yeah, ring. Then totally different. Then there's uh, Jill Stein also running in the uh, Green Party uh, uh, for for the uh, for the Green Party nomination, we'll see how much of a player she becomes as Bernie Sanders folks uh, decide who they want to move to. Right now, the bulk of them it appears are going to uh, going to go to Hillary Clinton, but we will see. Uh, one other uh, piece of bad news before we get to the better news for uh, for Democrats overall: uh, the paperback version of Hillary Clinton's memoir, Hard Choices apparently fails to include her support of the international trade pact, the TPP, uh, that rivals like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump have uh, long opposed, raising criticism about Clinton reinventing herself for the general election. The paperback version of Clinton's 2014 book, which deals with her work as Secretary of State for President Obama, omit, omits the passage in which she touts her efforts to get the country to support the 12-nation trade deal, which she once referred to as the gold standard for such agreements. In the uh, original hardback version of the book, she discusses the 2009 effort when she was Secretary of State. She says, we worked hard to improve and ratify trade agreements with Colombia and Panama and encourage Canada and the group of uh, countries that became known as the Pacific Alliance, Mexico, Colombia, Peru and Chile. To all open, uh, all open market democracies driving toward a more prosperous future to join negotiations with Asian nations on the TPP. However, she changed her position on the Trans-Pacific Partnership in October of 2015, about a month after the deal was signed and after weeks of being pressed by the news media for an answer to whether she would support it. And, of course, after weeks and months of Bernie Sanders pressing her on that point. As it turns out, apparently a total of 96 pages were taken out, uh, were trimmed from the hardback version for the uh, for the uh, paperback version. Publisher Simon and Schuster said that, quote, a limited number of sections were cut to, quote, accommodate a shorter length for this edition. So uh, that uh, book was released in April and the Center for Economic and Policy Research just noticed those cuts. The uh, uh, RNC has said that uh, Clinton's own memoir is reinventing itself for the general election, and that shows the lengths that she will go to to mislead the American people. That's how the Republican Party feels about it. But no, it is not uh, all trouble in in Democratic Party land. A new Bloomberg poll out this week shows Hillary Clinton leading Donald Trump by 12 points 49 percent to 37 percent among likely voters nationwide it also showed that 55 percent of those polled said that they would never vote for trump that's pretty huge but that would of course be a landslide 49 to 37 percent 
the survey was uh, taken Monday through Friday of last week. So it straddled the Orlando shooting uh, and its various responses from the candidates. Uh, we'll keep our eye out for new polls that show if, uh, you know, Obama, uh, Obama, Trump has uh, r- risen or fallen based on his uh, kind of unhinged response, blaming uh, Barack Obama for the shooting and so forth. Uh, The Bloomberg poll also said that it was, quote, troubling for Trump that 63 percent, 63 percent of women polled said they could never vote for Donald Trump. Now, for decades, female voters have made up a majority of the electorate and Trump is leading Clinton right now among white men, 50 to 33 percent. So huge uh, margin there among white men, 50 to 33 according to this new poll. But that means he's not doing very well because Mitt Romney, who lost and who lost big in 2012, he had 62 percent of white men back in 2012. A majority of likely voters, 64 percent, said they expect that Trump will keep saying things that upset Republicans. Oh, you think? While only 30 percent said they believe the presumptive GOP nominee would tone it down. Who are those 30 percent who think Donald Trump is going to tone it down as the polls get worse for him, not better? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're the 30 percent of people who still thought George W. Bush was doing a fantastic job back in uh, back in 2004 and five and six and seven and eight. Trump did lead Clinton, however, 50 to 45 percent when likely voters would ask who would be better to combat terrorist threats here and abroad. That's kind of surprising to me, frankly. Uh, Not a majority of people, but 50, close to a majority, 50 to 45 percent thought Trump would be better at dealing with terrorism. Uh, That's kind of amazing to me. But uh, there you go. That poll uh, was taken, however, uh, it looks like in mid-May. Trump has since been condemned by members of his party for his claims that a federal judge presiding over his Trump University fraud case is uh, is biased because he's of Mexican descent. Uh, and as I said, it doesn't take into account uh, his his comments about the Orlando LGBT nightclub shooting where Trump has now doubled down on his proposal to ban Muslims and ban anyone from coming into this country who comes from a, a Muslim country, I guess. Uh, and while insinuating that Obama was somehow connected to the attack somehow. And in more good news for Democrats and for Hillary Clinton, another poll echoes what uh, what that Bloomberg poll said. Hillary Clinton holds a double digit lead in the Reuters Ipsos tracking poll. The poll showed that Clinton had an 11.6 point lead over Donald Trump. That is down slightly from the 13 point lead she had in the five days uh, prior to that week in that same tracking poll. But it's within the margin of error, giving her uh, a similar 12 point lead. A higher percentage of voters in this poll compared to the one the week before said they would vote for neither candidate, with 22.5% of likely voters saying they wouldn't vote for either person. The previous week, just 20.5% of likely voters had taken that stance. Things are really looking surprisingly good for Hillary Clinton in some places where they usually don't quite look as good as this, including in Utah. Now, this, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, 
Donald Trump's brash swagger and outlandish behavior have made him so unpopular in Utah that a new poll shows that the state could actually swing to Hillary Clinton in November, potentially becoming the first time in 52 years that a Democrat has won the beehive state. Clinton and Trump are currently knotted at 35 percent each with five months of campaigning to go before the election. This according to a survey conducted for the Salt Lake Tribune and the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the uh, University of Utah. Libertarian candidate uh, nominee, I guess at this point, Gary Johnson draws 13 percent in that same poll, which is quite remarkable, given that uh, he was the candidate back in 2012 for the Libertarian Party when he garnered just 1.2 percent of the vote back in Utah. Back in 2012, of course, Mitt Romney was running at that point uh, and, uh, you know, from uh, from Utah or living in Utah or whatever the hell it is. Uh, But now uh, they're tied. The Republican and the Democratic presumptive nominees are tied in the state of Utah, which is kind of remarkable. That said, um, this uh, this 35 percent may be a ceiling. Uh, for Hillary Clinton. She may not be able to get much more than that. As uh, Marty Longman points out over at Washington Monthly, okay, in 2012, with Mitt Romney on the ticket, President Obama got 25% of the vote in Utah. In 2008, Obama did uh, better there. He got 34.5% against John McCain, so almost 35% back in 2008. Both John Kerry and Al Gore got 26 percent. Bill Clinton managed 35 percent in his uh, 1996 reelection campaign. So Marty Longman writes, in a sense, Hillary Clinton's 35 percent isn't all that impressive. It's better than a Democrat has done in uh, in Utah in recent years. But it also seems to be about the high watermark for a Democrat there, at least in a conventional sense. So this may have more to do with hatred for Donald Trump than it does for uh, for love of Hillary Clinton. Nonetheless, Utah could go blue, as they say, in uh, in November. Yeah, or a very nice purple. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, and I hate that, by the way, the blue versus red. I almost never use that because all the states are purple. They're really? all purple True. in the middle of, uh, you know, that's from the uh, the Salt Lake uh, Tribune. They've had uh, for years now. I think they still do. Uh, you know, a very progressive Democratic mayor in charge of Salt Lake City, the biggest uh, city in the state. So, yeah, you know, there are no red states. There are no blue states. They're all purple states. If people show up and vote and we can get those votes uh, to count and to be counted accurately and counted in a way that we can all know that they have been counted accurately. So we will see what happens in Utah. But speaking of Republican leaning states, A new poll now shows Hillary Clinton also leading where? In Kansas. What? Yes. What's the matter with Kansas? They're now voting for Hillary Clinton. They're overwhelmingly dissatisfied with their state government in Kansas, which we've covered quite a bit on the broadcast uh, with their choice of presidential. uh, they're, They're dissatisfied with the state government, with their choice of presidential candidates. This according to a new poll. Uh, When uh, given a choice between the two parties, presumptive nominee, a plurality right now, 43 to 36 percent say they prefer Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump. Twenty one percent remain undecided there, but she is currently leading in Kansas. Forty three to thirty six percent. 
That would mark a historic shift in Kansas politics, the Lawrence Journal World points out. Uh, No Democratic presidential candidate has won Kansas since 1964 when landslide Lyndon Johnson carried it over Barry Goldwater by 54 to 45 percent. So uh, Kansas University political science professor Patrick Miller said the numbers weren't completely surprising, especially on the Democratic side, where Clinton's 43 percent is about on par with how Democratic presidential candidates tend to do in Kansas. So we're seeing something similar to Utah. But uh, a lot of this also has to do with the unpopularity, unpopularity of Donald Trump and the wild unpopularity of that state government. Sam Brownback, the governor there. Um, who is uh, calls himself a Reagan Republican, has come in, has cut one tax after another, and has essentially bankrupted the state. They've had to take money from education, from poor people, from everywhere else, because they continue to run shortfalls. Because what do you know, as it turns out, voodoo economics, as George H.W. Bush once described it, don't work. That when you cut taxes, no, it doesn't bring in more money. It actually brings in less money. And when that happens... Who does it hurt? It hurts. uh, It hurts kids, the poor, the working class. And Kansas appears to have had just about enough of it. Whether they will take action and do something about it, however, remains another issue. But for now, uh, one of the pollsters here said that the 2016 races so far display all the elements needed for what they call a wave election, the kind that produces a wholesale shift in partisan or philosophical control of the state legislature. Uh, Do you have the right context for that? This pollster said, absolutely. Brownback is unpopular. Trump is unpopular. Granted, Clinton is unpopular, too. But Trump's unpopularity changes that dynamic a little bit. You have uh, Brownback unpopular, Trump unpopular, and very negative assessments of Kansas government. So that creates the right atmosphere. Now, whether that can actually happen in the state of Kansas remains another issue, given their secretary of state, a guy by the name of Chris Kobach, who we've also talked about on this show for many years, who is out there pretending that there is massive voter fraud going on in the state of Kansas. And therefore, he's got to put in uh, radical, more radical than almost anywhere else in the country, radical restrictions on the right to vote. Uh, not just the photo ID voting restrictions, but also this uh, this citizenship restriction on voters that when you sign up to vote, you've also got to prove you've got to prove that you are a citizen of this country. And of course, that's a problem for a lot of voters who don't have, uh, you know, young voters in particular who don't have easy access to their, uh, you know, to their uh, birth certificate. Older voters who may have never had a birth certificate in the first place. And there's been a horrible fight waging in Kansas and in the courts and in the federal courts about this now year after year since Chris Kobach came to uh, came to office claiming to stop voter fraud despite the fact that he has been able to show almost zero, zero voter fraud in the state of Kansas. He's he's been able to get, I think it's three convictions so far of people who have double voted. In other words, not voted twice in the same state, but who had, uh, you know, who had two houses, who had a house in, in Colorado as well as Kansas. And they thought that they could vote twice, not even for the same um, for the same candidates twice. 
But, uh, you know, the, the local candidates who are running in Kansas, the local candidates who are running in Colorado, those are the convictions he's gotten. He hasn't been able to get any uh, convictions of non-citizens voting as he pretends. And yet he has been keeping these people from being able to vote for years. He has been putting them in what's called a suspended file. And uh, recently, a court case uh, found in Kansas, a federal case, that he cannot do that. And that at least 18,000 voters who have been suspended, who have signed up under the Federal Voter Registration Act, who were able to sign up at the, uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, to register to vote using the federal form, the federal requirements uh, under the National Voter Registration Act. He has not allowed them, 18,000 of them, to be fully registered in the state of Kansas because they did not pre uh, present citizenship, proof of citizenship papers. Well, a few weeks ago, federal court found he can't do that and has ordered Chris Kobach to reinstate those 18,000 voters. Chris Kobach then went to the appellate court uh, and uh, said, please help me out here, appellate court. The uh, appellate court recently said, nope, we ain't helping you out. Restore those voters. This week, and this is the week that uh, uh, Kobach finally relented at least a little bit, sending a memo to, uh, to county workers, um, uh, county election officials, county clerks, that they must restore those 18,000 voters who had registered to vote at the DMV. That doesn't include everyone. There's still a lot of them uh, who registered using Kansas's forms who have not yet been reinstated. Uh, and anyone at this point who has not included citizenship papers um, can only vote in federal elections because that federal law only re regards uh, only deals with federal elections, so he's still keeping them from being able to vote in state elections. The AP notes that the state's proof of citizenship requirement in Kansas hits young voters the hardest. For example, people between the ages of 18 and 29, they make up 14.9% of the state's registered voters. However, they also make up 58% of voters whose registrations were canceled or suspended under Chris Kobach's law. So this will affect younger voters, more Democratic-leaning voters. And that, of course, is Chris Kobach's hope. The editorial board uh, at the uh, Kansas City Star says, uh, it's amazing, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach's bogus voter fraud campaign have never been backed up with facts. Just weeks ago, U.S. District Judge Julie Robinson pointed out that only three non-citizens had voted in a federal election in Kansas between 1995 and 2013. It's not just 18,000 people. Many more could be registered before the November elections, which could mean up to 50,000 people could be helped by this judicial action. The paper goes on to describe him as incompetent. And yet, Chris Kobach will go on to oversee the election this November. And he will keep as many people from voting as he possibly can. So don't get too excited, Democrats. The fight to be able to cast a vote at all this November is still in front of you. And it may be the only hope the Republicans have left this year. A quick break and we're back with Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hmm. 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Running late, so let's get right to it. Our latest Green News report. People know what Republicans are against. Now, we're going to give you a plan that shows you what we are for. Turns out, House Republicans are for rolling back pollution standards. The streak continues. May 2016 was the hottest May on record. Power plants no longer the nation's largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. New study finds President Obama's clean power plan will save Americans $38 billion a year. Plus, global warming and that a lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. Donald Trump was for climate action before he was against it. Speaking of hoaxes, all of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Take a look at the Keystone Pipeline. I can't. President Obama rejected it. Thanks, Obama. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, shocking news to hear that uh, May 2016 is again the hottest May ever recorded on planet Earth. Yeah, I know. And Republicans still don't care. They've, of course, earned a reputation for being against environmental regulations. But in case that wasn't absolutely clear, House Speaker Paul Ryan has issued a new agenda for regulations in the coming year. Let's face it. People know what Republicans are against. Now, we're going to give you a plan that shows you what we are for. That plan shows what Republicans are for is rolling back federal regulations that protect workers and the environment. The new agenda, entitled A Better Way, is pretty much the old one. Blocking pollution regulations from the EPA, the Interior Department, and other agency regulations that protect public health. And, of course, all action on climate change. If you like your asthma and you like toxic mercury in all your fish, you can keep it, say Republicans. <laughs> now, remember, all seats in the House of Representatives are up for election in November. And as we like to say here, elections have consequences. And so what they're calling for is for all of these uh, federal agencies, instead of issuing regulations, they want all of these regulations to be voted on each and every one in Congress, right? Right. If you like your gridlock, you can keep that too. Apparently so. Meanwhile, the planet continues to ignore politics. May 2016 was the hottest May on record for the planet, according to NASA, and that in itself is another record. After the hottest April, the hottest March, the hottest February, and so on, May 2016 is now the 13th straight month in a row to finish as the hottest ever for that month. That's weird because Paul Ryan, at his press conference on Wednesday, talking about the new agenda for Republicans, said, We're saying... Base your decisions on sound science, not science fiction. And yet, 
The Republican agenda. Go figure. Power plants are no longer America's biggest contributor to climate change. Transportation is. The nation's power plants have made remarkable progress in cutting emissions of planet-warming carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. The trend is expected to hold as car makers adopt higher fuel economy standards and the use of electric cars expands powered by clean electricity. But there is no low-carbon solutions yet for heavy trucks, machinery, or airplanes. But plans are in the works. Tesla, I see, has now started working with Mack Truck to start building electric garbage trucks. So it's coming. Further cutting emissions from power plants will save Americans $38 billion a year. That's according to a new analysis from Harvard University, which finds that implementing President Obama's landmark clean power plan, the first ever emissions standards for power plants, that will save Americans $38 billion a year from avoided health care costs from all of the asthma attacks, strokes, cancer, heart and lung disease caused by toxic air pollution that we won't be having. Finally, presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump has famously declared his rejection of climate science. Global warming and that, a lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. But Trump was apparently for climate action before he was against it. The folks at grist.org have unearthed an advertisement in the New York Times from 2009, right before the United Nations Climate Change Treaty Conference in Copenhagen. In that advertisement, a group of business leaders called for aggressive action on climate change, and Trump signed that letter all the way back in 2009. And so at one of Trump's golf courses, he asked for a seawall to protect from climate change, and he signed on to that ad calling on people to do something about climate change. Exactly. So when Trump says climate change is a hoax, it turns out the hoax is actually him calling climate change a hoax. (laughs) There you go. Got it. Thank you, Desi Doyen. For all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Everybody plays the fool sometimes. Indeed they do. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, and my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us here at the Bradcast. And uh, my particular thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep doing what we do. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. And if you missed any portion of this show or any others, you can download them for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And otherwise, that's it. Until next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.